Get Up Nation. My name is Ben Biddick. I am the creator and host of the Get Up Nation podcast, where I serve individuals, organizations, and societies to develop and sustain resilience and perseverance. I'm the co-author of Get Up, The Art of Perseverance with former Major League Baseball player and CEO of Rurong Living, Adam Greenberg. The Get Up Nation podcast is brought to you in partnership with GotYour6Coffee.com, where Navy veteran Eric Hadley is committed to serving first responders, veterans, and their families through a variety of nonprofit organizations. No stranger to adversity, Eric has fused necessity of coffee with his passion for public service. You're already purchasing coffee. Why not empower your coffee with purpose? Why not purchase coffee that not only has your six, but also has the backs of those who don a uniform of service for our communities and great country? Learn more about Eric and his freshly roasted award-winning coffee at gotyoursixcoffee.com. Welcome to this episode of the Get Up Nation podcast. Recently, I had the honor and privilege of speaking with Nicole Snell. Nicole is the CEO of Girls Bite Back. She's dedicated her life to empowering women with personal safety and self-defense education. She's a dynamic international speaker, workshop facilitator, and self-defense instructor specializing in sexual assault and violence prevention education. She created Outdoor Defense, an IGTV series that aims to help people stay safe with simple self-defense strategies. Nicole believes that every human being has the right to walk through our world feeling safe, powerful, and confident. Nicole, amped to have you on the Get Up Nation show to talk about you and your amazing work. Thank you so much. It's such a pleasure to be here. So thank you for having me. Absolutely. Let's start with where you live and work. Where are you located? I know you, you travel internationally, but where is your home base? Home base is Los Angeles. And because of COVID, I haven't been traveling as much as you normally would. So home base and work base is is Los Angeles for my virtual programs now. (laughs) Excellent. All right. I love your message and your service to help others to live a life of security and confidence. Certainly it is a volatile world and to be able to navigate tense, escalating and violent situations is essential for us all today. Will you share a little bit about why this work means so much to you and why you've dedicated your life to this? This work means a lot to me because as a woman, I've grown up hearing the messages that say, you know, women are weak or women, you know, shouldn't do things by themselves, or we're given this laundry list of don'ts that we need to not do in order to be safe. And if we don't do those things or we don't abide by this list, then anything that happens to us is our fault and we're asking for it. There's a lot of victim blaming messages and disempowering messages fear-based messages. And I have always been stubborn. I have always been (laughs) determined to do what I want to do. And I've always loved exploring and hiking and adventuring and traveling. And I often did it alone. And people would tell me, oh, that's not safe. And you shouldn't do that. And you're just asking for trouble. And I am not here for any of those messages. And so I wanted to send a message to women that you are powerful because we are and that we can go out and live our life. We can do whatever it is that we want to do. We should be able to do it freely and confidently. And the skills that I teach allow people to have more confidence in their life so they feel like they can handle themselves regardless of what type of situation they're faced with. And just that knowledge alone can help open up people's worlds. And that's what it's all about. Like whether whether you ever want to take a solo trip or not, whether if you whether if you never want to leave your state and maybe for you it's just going to the grocery store by yourself or feeling comfortable walking to your parked car at night, whatever it is, I want people to know that you have options, you're not helpless and you can completely take care of yourself. 
Love it. That's excellent. Some of the topics we've discussed on Get Up Nation here include post-traumatic stress, chronic stress, military sexual violence, sexual assault, human trafficking, domestic violence, and more. I love what you do because not only do you help people feel confident in their ability to defend themselves, but it also has the potential to prevent some of the psychological trauma associated with feeling helpless when people are experiencing that sense of terror or, or horror. And to have the comfort of knowing that you can handle yourself during these escalating moments can really decrease post-traumatic stress afterward because you're decreasing that element of helplessness. You're giving people tools that they go into it with a, a preparation or, or somewhat of a, a knowledge to say, well, I, know, I have some options, tools to use so that if something like that happens, I could evade the entire thing altogether. Or if I can't, then I can handle it. It's just so powerful in preventing post-traumatic stress. Yeah. I, I think what's really important about what I teach and, and, you know, the empowerment movement is that we want to give people options, you know, in any situation, it's never the survivor's fault for a crime that happens to them. Right. It's never their fault. Right. And whatever anyone did in the past, or even what they do in the future to survive a situation, that's the right thing to do for you. If you survive, my point is I want to give people options and tools. So instead of only having two things that they could possibly do. Now they have three or four. And then they have that confidence of knowing, you know what, if I'm, if I was in a situation that was like this or like that, I, there's things that I can do to take control of my safety and take control of the situation. And a lot of what I teach is verbal skills and boundary setting and your, your body language and things like that, that, you know, research shows that having these, having these skills and, you know, having certain body languages and and using your verbal skills is what you're most likely going to encounter in a type of confrontation. And if you are able to, to set a clear and strong boundary, then you can often discourage or prevent a physical altercation. But then if you have to fight, I teach people how to fight because sure. when you know, <laughs> when you know you can protect yourself with your body, it just, it just changes your world. Yeah, You just stand absolutely. differently. You walk differently. Oh, yeah. And people pick up on that. You know, if, it, if people are really good at sensing fear and especially predatory people who exhibit those behaviors, you know, they read that that body language. And so to have that calm confidence, that in itself is, is a, a great way to send those messages that I'm not the one. <laughs> I'm not the one. Yeah. Yep, no, <laughs> yeah. not today. <laughs> so from your perspective, how satisfying is that for you to give that gift to others of that sense of confidence and that security so that they can go out into the world and live life to its fullest. How satisfying is that for you? It's so satisfying to be able to give people this, this information, this, this education. I've had so many people that message me or email me and say, Hey, Nicole, that the one thing that you taught me, I was, I used it today and it worked or, you know, I took my first trip and I just remembered what you, what you taught me. And, you know, I was always afraid and now I don't feel as afraid anymore. And that's why I do this. Like I want to teach people how to be their own badass. And I feel like that's my superpower is being able to help empower other people. Like look in the mirror and realize how powerful you really are despite all these messages that try to tell us otherwise, like there are so many things that, that we can do. And I wanted to speak to your point, how you said, you know, learning self-defense and empowerment, things like that can decrease, you know, the risk of, of PTSD and, and can even be preventative. It can also be very healing. You know, there's plenty of survivors that have taken my class or, you know, I've led discussions with them and to help them rewrite their story in their own mind of now I have additional options. If something like this happens again, now I have a, another choice. I, now I have other options of how I can handle a situation and just giving them that sense of power. 
Oh, that's so great. That was, that was actually my next question is you have a wide range of clients and, you know, would you say that there's a therapeutic element to your programming where people who have experienced trauma in the past develop this sense that they can effectively defend themselves in the future? And how does that affect, you know, as far as mental health, what are some of those positive effects for people who go through the training after an event? I think it can be very healing. I think survivors need to be prepared for the healing. You know, it can also be very triggering if you are reliving in your mind something that's happened. So it can be healing, but you have to be ready for the emotions and things that are coming up. I'm a certified victim advocate because I wanted to understand survivors. I mean, I'm a survivor myself, but I wanted to be able to understand how to best communicate with and offer support to survivors that come to me after my classes. I would say the the healing part of it is to, yes, to have them know that now they have additional options to now feel like instead of, they, instead of having to walk in fear that if something happens again, that they'll be helpless to do anything, that there are things that they can do to defend themselves and to protect themselves and to carry themselves in a different way so that if it happens again, they can say, you know what, now, now I can do I can do this. I can do that. I, I have other things in my tool belt now. Yeah. And how dangerous is it to have the mindset that says, you know, if something bad happens, I'll be rescued by somebody, you know, the, some, well, some that awful <laughs> thing happens and it's starting to happen and to have nothing there, just to have a mindset that says, well, if something bad happens, somebody will help me. How dangerous is that? Instead of taking that responsibility yeah. for our own safety, investing in our ability to handle ourselves during these I feel- escalations. Yeah, I feel like that is a very problematic mindset to constantly rely on other people to come and save you. You know, we're perfectly capable of saving ourselves. And a big part of self-defense is learning how to identify danger so you can avoid it. Like I do not purposely put myself in bad situations (laughs) or say like, you know, I know self-defense, let's go. Like if (laughs) I can get to safety, I'm going to get to safety. That's what it's about, about, you know, fights can always lead to injury for either party. So the best fight is the one you never have to fight. If I can use my verbal skills, if I can notice something feels off with my intuition and get out of it, great. But if I can't get out of it, I don't want to feel like, oh, if this happens now, there's nothing I can do. There is something you can do. And we don't have to wait for other people to come and save us because by doing that, we're giving our power away. Right. And we are so powerful. And yeah, you should get help. And for people who feel comfortable calling the police, maybe calling the police is what you do. But how long is it going to take for the police to come to you? You might have to be on your own for, you know, a few minutes, several minutes dealing with the situation. And I want people to know that you can be your own best protector. Yeah, absolutely. You never know how long you may have to wait. You never know what could happen. And it's just best to know, well, what can I do with the skills and the tools that I have and and to expand those? Yeah, that's it's vital for for the safety and and survival of our families and our ourselves. So yeah, that's excellent. I love that. And what are some of the barriers that you encounter? So when it comes to the clients that you serve, what are some of the common barriers that you is it fear? Is it prior trauma? What are some of the hurdles that you help your clients overcome as you teach them to defend themselves? I think it's a combination of both. It's fear. You know, some people will come to me and say, you know, I'm really, I'm afraid that if this happens, I won't know what to do. Or I'm really afraid of traveling by myself because I've heard all these stories. And we constantly see these really horrific things that are happening in the news. And 
the idea of stranger danger is still perpetuated, even though 86% of the time someone's assaulted by someone they know. Mm -hmm. And that's something that we need to keep in mind. You know, domestic violence is a huge problem. Interpersonal violence is a huge problem. And people come to me from fear. Maybe they've been told that there's nothing they can do. Maybe they've had past trauma of something happening. Maybe they are of a body size or type that they feel like they can't defend themselves. And what I teach them is I teach very simple, practical strikes that anybody can do, regardless of your, your ability level, your gender, your height, your age. There's all things we can do because we have weapons on our bodies. And there are so many vulnerabilities on a human body that if we just if we just keep it simple and what I teach is basically where is an attacker vulnerable, where are we strong and we add force and really self-defense kind of boils down to that. So helping people just see that and coming from a place of empowerment versus fear, you know, sometimes there are, you know, there's messages out there that just try to scare people, you know, well, I don't want to scare, like the the world is bad. We, We know that there are bad things that happen in this world. We know violence exists. Nobody, I don't think anyone's walking around with rose colored glasses thinking that violence isn't a problem. So in my course, I'll usually like just briefly run by some stats just to give us a baseline. And then we just move into like, what can I do? Like, what can I do to be powerful with myself? Because I don't need to scare people. There's plenty of fear in the world and I don't want to use that to scare them more. And there's a great book. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's called The Gift of Fear by Gavin DeBecker. Amazing book. Yeah, that is amazing. We were talking about that before too, you, you, the intuition, the sense of, okay, something isn't right here. And listening to that, paying attention to that and seeing the way we have evolved over time and sensing threats and being aware of that and really seeing, you know, experiencing our body's reaction to danger and paying attention to that and using that to our advantage to trust that. It's excellent to to have people understand that that needs to be paid attention to and, and don't override it, figure out a way to take action. Yeah. A lot of times we ignore it, especially as women. Society is constantly telling us to be nice. We don't want to offend people. We're supposed to take care of others, oftentimes at the expense of ourselves. And so one of the things that I teach people is your safety comes before anyone else's feelings. That's right. So if something is, is, triggering your intuition and something seems off. You don't have to be nice. You don't have to say, well, I don't want to hurt their feelings. So I'm going to try to no set a bounty. Look, stop. Yep. You're standing too close to me. Get away. You know, I don't want to have this conversation leave. And yep. if they think you're mean and rude and awful, okay, let them think whatever they want. Right. Right. It's nothing to do with you. Your safety is more important than whatever they're going to think about you. And if a, a normal, healthy person is going to respond to a boundary by respecting the boundary. Maybe they're a little thrown off by it, but they'll be like, okay. But yeah. if someone reacts in a way that is, you know, extreme anger or escalates things, that gives you a lot of information about that person. It means your intuition was most likely right. <laughs> and now you, now you have more information about them about, okay, now how am I going to handle the situation from here? Right. Exactly. If there's a misunderstanding there, you can always talk it out later from a phone call at a distance or something. It can be worked out. But if, for instance, that person starts escalating because they can't control your behavior or they're trying to, you know, force you into a a dangerous position, then yeah, absolutely. You know, for you to assert yourself in that way, I don't care what message society tells you, that's vital for you to walk away safely and to get out of there. And uh, there's nothing wrong with that. And anybody with a, a rational, reasonable, respectful mind would would have your back in that situation to say, yes, you walk away. And, you know, if there's a misunderstanding, you can work it out later, but, but go home safe. Exactly. 
verbal strategies are, are extremely effective. Yeah. 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 And I, I look forward to digging into some of the ways that we can avoid physical conflict here. But I also wanted to touch on your solo travel, some of the content that you create. You talk about solo travel. It's one of the most exciting experiences of freedom that people can have, right? We do, we're able to do what we want when we want, we eat the meal we want. It's like, it's like a beautiful thing to experience that freedom of saying, I'm alive in this amazing world and I'm going to take it in, in a way that is unique to me. Right. So it's like, one of the best experiences there is. So then this brings up with COVID some of the challenges. And so I just want to get your take on when it comes to a sense of personal security during travel, will you speak to some of the unique challenges that are here with us now due to COVID-19 and ways that we can have some of those experiences of freedom and, and, and traveling and exploration, but still being responsible for, for health? Yeah, it's, COVID has really presented some unique challenges that you know many of us, probably none of us have ever faced before. And, you know, as the world starts opening up more, people are going to be out there traveling more, adventuring more. But I think what a lot of people are doing is they're doing things closer to home, you know, doing road trips, things like that. So I think from like a health, a health standpoint, you know, do what is recommended by, you know, whatever health department in the city or state or place you're traveling, you know, wear your mask, wash your hands. As far as personal safety wise, the six feet of distance, the six feet of social distance is actually in self-defense what's considered a safe distance. Like Mm. you want to keep yourself at least two arms length, which is six feet away from someone if they are making you feel uncomfortable. Mm. So in a way, everyone in the world has gotten this this boundary mandate of what is expected of you as far as how close you stand to somebody. Whereas, you know, very often personal space varies by culture and varies nationally as well. You know, in Europe, people before COVID would traditionally stand closer to you to talk. And in America and the US, they, they stand, you know, three to four feet away if you don't really know the person. But now everyone kind of has this six foot rule, which is kind of awesome. And now there's just this understanding of how of a, of a boundary that everyone's abiding by, but it also helps for your safety. And with COVID and with the world, with so much going on with you know, social injustices being addressed very publicly in basically a new civil rights movement for Black Lives Matter and ending, you know, racism and and inequalities in this world. There are a lot of people that are feeling a lot of different ways. There are a lot of emotional states out there. There's anger, there's frustration, there's fear, there's sadness, there's there's so much. Mm -hmm. So learning how to trust your intuition and be able to manage and de-escalate potential situations that you may have with the people that you meet is really important because I feel like that may be what most people are facing nowadays. Those types of verbal altercations with people in these varied emotional states. Recognizing threats or recognizing, you know, clenching fists or raising of the voice or understanding where exits are in the room, you know, understanding that distance dangerous striking distance with that arm's length of, of one arm's length. Yeah. 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 So having, having kind of a, a tactical awareness as you are in environments that you're not necessarily familiar with, or, or maybe a little foreign to you, or, or you don't know where, you know, as you're traveling, you're encountering new spaces at all times. And so let's talk a little bit about those ways where you, you can recognize escalation or recognize threats to safety and then really be strategic about responding to them in a way where hopefully you can prevent a physical altercation. 
Yeah. So, so much of personal safety and self-defense is extremely personal. You know, the, the skills and strategies that I teach are, are things that people can take and use in different situations. Like I don't ever give a hard and firm, like, this is what you always do in this situation. Or, this is what you should do. Mm-hmm. Self-defense is about what you can do, not what you should do. So I, I try to give people things that they can do and use and, and meld to what's going to fit their life. Cause every situation is different. Right. For instance, I was in Peru a few years ago, traveling solo, which was great. <laughs> and I got followed in a marketplace and I noticed that I was being followed. Mm. And I think I was thinking to myself, well, what, you know, what am I going to do? What am I going to do in this situation? I can, you know, there's plenty of people around, there's plenty of shops, but this, this man is following me. Is he just curious? Is he hurting me towards someone else? I, I didn't know. So what I ended up doing was he kept hiding behind these pillars as we were walking in the outdoor market. And then when he came, when we came to the last one, I turned around to face him so that when he came around there, I was just staring, standing and staring at him and he just stopped and he looked at me and I just stopped and I just looked at him and 10 seconds go by and he turned and walked away. And I was like, all right, not only was my intuition correct, but right. now I just, just by simply making eye contact and being like, I see you, yeah. like, you're not going to get over on me. This isn't right. going to, I'm not vulnerable. Yeah. A lot of times assailants target who they think are vulnerable and they look at our body language and mm-hmm. the way we carry ourselves. So as much as we're being aware, situationally aware of others, they're also being aware of us. Right. And by simply noticing things and then pulling from your toolbox, what can you do? You know, there's a lot of different ways I could handle that situation. Sure. I'll give another example if you don't mind. Yeah. Years ago, before I had any self-defense training, I was followed by a man in a car while I was running. It was during the day. It was during the morning. There's plenty, again, plenty of cars and traffic. And, but I, I didn't know what to do. I was yelling at him to stop. He kept making U-turns to be on the same side of the street as me. He would pull ahead farther than me and then get out of his car. So I'd have to turn around and try to go the other way. It was really scary. And I ended up getting out of the situation because he, he got out of his car and then I ran, but I saw him run down an alley to go get his car. And when he didn't see me, I ran into a donut shop and I hid behind the, the chip display. Wow. And that was how I got out of it, you know? And sometimes I think back and say, well, I wish I would have handled that differently, but you know what? I'm here. Right. And that's all that yeah. matters. And yeah. you may be in, in a situation where maybe there isn't a place that you can go to ask for help or, you know, it, it's all just going to depend on how you feel. Maybe you don't feel like you want to confront that person, but maybe you, you want to do something else instead. There's no should have there's no judgment about what you do it's like based on your unique situation how you feel that day who's around and where you are you get to pick what's going to work to speak to your point earlier about victim blaming and, and victim shaming like it's hard enough when you experience something like that be kind to yourself afterwards don't don't if you can you know don't be kind to yourself afterwards with what you said of like i'm here now some of that deep deep pain can be accompanied with a sense of shame or a sense of was I responsible for this? Or I should have, I could have, I would have, and why didn't I do this? And to just be kind to yourself and be like, well, you're still here. So whatever it was, you did something right. Right. So to, yeah. to be kind to yourself after that, you know, because then that, that offender or whatever, the violator, they still are in your head a little bit. So if we keep shaming ourselves, it's an act of conquering them to say, Psh, I'm here now. I'm okay. Whatever I did, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, you know, make it even more difficult for myself. I didn't deserve that. And so it's a, it's a way to conquer that negative experience. Would you agree? 
Yeah, absolutely. A lot of times we, we beat ourselves up on the inside yeah. by like rethinking and perseverating on, on the experience and then, you know, blaming ourselves and, right. you know, the guilt and shame. And those are all normal feelings. Like people's right. feelings are absolutely valid, totally. but to try to come through that and say, no, look, I did the best that I can do. I am here and that's enough. You know, yeah. I did what I could to survive. You right. know, we, we always can think back. Like when I do full contact fights and I'm teaching uh, full contact classes at impact, Sometimes mm. students will say, oh, I wish I would have fought a little harder. I wish I would have hit a little harder. And we're like, no, you, you got out of it. That situation, you know, there's not going to be a perfect way to do it. You know, the self-defense that we teach is it's practical. It's simple. It's, it's not about looking great doing it. It's not about having the moves, per, you know, perfectly right. It's like, can I execute the move to incapacitate this person to get to safety? And that's all that matters. That's right. That's right. You can. Those dynamic environments, those really kinetic environments, when you're easy, all of the things that are happening in your mind to, to help you survive that and how, you know, different, you know, fight, flight or freeze concepts happening, tunnel vision, different things, any view of like being successful in that situation is, is please be kind to yourself because if you're, if you've walked away from it, you're still breathing, you know, that's, that's success. And, and, you know, we're all not going to be Chuck Norris necessarily, but if we get it, <laughs> that's a win right (laughs) exactly if we can talk our way out of it that's even a win that's something else we teach like if i can convince someone that i'm not the person they want to mess with today because i'm setting a really strong boundary yeah then that's a that's a win whether or not that person is like oh yeah i got the last word it doesn't matter if they walk away you win yeah and that's that's really that's really powerful you know and it's not always going to be perfect you know, yeah. it's, it's not going to be, you know, you may imagine in your head what you'll do. Like, you know, I'm, I mean, come on, I'll be honest. I think that like, yeah, if, if something ever happened, like, I know it's going to be like this fight that I had in class, this fight I did, but I'm like, you know what? It may not. I've yeah. had plenty of fights that, you know, in, in classes where I'm, I'm training and, and teaching and demoing where I'm like, Ooh, I wish I would have done this or your, your sure. foot slips, or maybe you don't get it right where you want it, but you just keep going. Yeah. Like something that we teach in girls fight back is you are worth fighting for. That's so right. you just you just do what you have to do to get out and, and get to safety. I love it. So the Get Up Nation show, you know, is designed to help people and organizations develop and sustain that resilience. So bouncing back from adversity, the tragedy, the trauma, threats, and significant stress, how essential is it for people to have that sense of personal security and confidence when it comes to facing these escalations? Maybe not even acts of violence necessarily, but, you know, like passive aggressive things in the office or things at your work where leaders may not have the most emotional intelligence or peers or subordinates may not. And so navigating these types of conflict and, and you know, being resilient, how vital is it for, for these concepts to carry yourself with that, that, that sense of personal value? that sense of respect for others, but that boundary that's there that says, you know, this is the line in the sand and I will not tolerate this and this. And, and how vital is that for our resilience as we live? I think that is so important for everyone, not just women, everyone of any, every gender identity can benefit from learning how to set boundaries, 
speaking up for your needs, saying what you need. Like I said earlier, 86% of the time, someone is assaulted by someone they know. So being able to feel confident to set boundaries, speak up for what you need, especially in interpersonal situations is even more valuable. So I have a program called the awkward hug that specifically addresses how do you, how do you navigate interpersonal situations where, you know, you have a family member or a friend or a coworker that always hugs you, or maybe they like, they stand too close over your shoulder at your computer or how do you respectfully tell them what you need, but you're going to see them again. So you don't want it to be awkward. And it's kind of a different dynamic than dealing with a stranger where you don't really care what they think of you, but someone, you know, you want to keep a professional while also still speaking up for what you need. And we teach people how to do that, how to navigate that, how to navigate setting these boundaries and communicating what you need and not apologizing because you don't have to apologize for setting your boundaries. But the confidence that comes from knowing that you are capable of speaking up for yourself is huge. And that leads to increased confidence and self-esteem across the board. People can become better leaders. It helps with leadership development. It helps with critical thinking skills, problem solving, ability and willingness to tackle more challenging you know, work topics or life topics. And just knowing that you have options is just giving you your power. Yeah. Oh, that's excellent. That's excellent. And, and just think of the, I mean, the, the kind of work environment that that creates, it creates mental health, that creates cohesion, it creates, you know, a job satisfaction because you, because it's clear and you, you treat each other with respect, you sense your personal value, you extend that to others by communicating that they have value because you know how it feels to have value. It makes workplace. I mean, people need to hire you. People need to get you, <laughs> Thank in, you. in their offices, you know? <laughs> Well, thank you. And and here's the thing too about boundaries that we make that I make really clear when I'm when I'm talking is that if I don't tell like Ben, if you don't know that I hate it when someone sits like right next to me. Right. right. And I never tell you that and you do it every day in a meeting. And assuming this is pre pre COVID (laughs) or post COVID, right? If I if I never tell you that it really annoys me when you sit that close to me and I never say anything, how are you supposed to know? How are you supposed to respect my boundary unless I tell you? So by expressing what we need clearly and assertively and respectfully, we can foster stronger relationships with the people in our life because we're communicating what we need and giving them the opportunity to respect us. Now, if they don't respect you after you set a boundary, that's giving you a lot of information about them. We, we yeah. talk about how to deal with that as well, but that's giving you information and you get to choose, well, this person isn't it respecting the boundary that I'm setting? And boundaries don't have to be physical. They can be, they can be intangible. They can be emotional. They can be mental. And yeah. if someone's not respecting your boundary, they're not respecting you. And then you get to decide, well, is this someone I want to keep in my life? Yep. Is this, how else can I express my boundary? Or am I going to have to set an even stronger boundary? Yeah. We need more and more of that. There's so much conflict resolution that we need. We People are craving a sense of being heard in our systems and in our organizations. People are hungering for a meaningful life where we're able to interact with people and we're able to have satisfying relationships. And at the end of our lives, basically, what do we have? It's the relationships we have, our memories that we shared with people along the way, and communicating to each other these brilliant and beautiful concepts of, it is amazing to be alive. It's amazing to take in our world. It's amazing to experience nature and feel confident enough to know that any threats or weather or challenges that are out there happening, I can handle those. To live a life of victory and confidence, everyone deserves that, just like you've said. And any, any messages that you have for Get Up Nation for 
Anybody in my network here as part of GetUp Nation who may not have that confidence in their life, who may have had a traumatic event happen to them in the past, and they do fear going to the grocery store, or they are in COVID situations right now, and they're in a, an abusive relationship or situation where all of these things could potentially be happening. Is there a basic message that you have of encouragement for people today who may be listening? The message of encouragement that I would have for people is that you are worth fighting for and that there are a wealth of resources out there for, for help if you need it. If you are a survivor, if you're in a, an abusive relationship or you know someone who is, there are resources available that can help you. But to understand that you are worth fighting for and that you deserve to live a life that's free and confident and doing the things that you want to do without apology, like you deserve that. Love that. Love that. Nicole, I always end the show with six quick questions to help my listeners understand the why within my phenomenal guests. Would you mind running through six quick questions with me? I, I love it. Yes, let's do it. <laughs> All right. Who are you thankful for today? I'm thankful for my sister. Do, I, do you need me to explain why or is it just quick? Sure. Up to you. Either way. My sister's amazing. My sister, Michelle, I don't feel like I would be where I am today without her. She's older and she was an example and a role model to me and has always been there to support me no matter what. So thankful for her. Awesome. And now that we've covered who you're thankful for today, what are you thankful for today? I am thankful for my health because with my health, I'm able to continue to help people and to do the things that I love to do and, and experience life to its fullest. Nice. How do you fuel the fire within you? I fuel the fire within me by hiking, being outside and in the outdoors, doing something is what recharges my soul. <laughs> Excellent. And then what is one thing adversity taught you to value? Adversity taught me to value my own opinion and that that's the only one that matters. Excellent. What are you doing today? You may have never thought you could. I'm running a business. Never thought I would want to do that. And uh, here I am. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. And what will you do tomorrow that you may have never thought you could? What I'm going to do tomorrow that I thought I never would before is start a nonprofit nice. organization. Excellent. And I can't wait to see that come to life. And where can people learn more about you and your amazing work? They can find me on Instagram. My handles are Girls Fight Back and also Adventures of Nick, and that's N-I-K, Adventures of Nick. Also on our website, girlsfightback.com and on LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn as well. And Girls Fight Back is also on Twitter. The handle is Girls Fight Back.